Welcome to the Raw Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Appleton, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Now, Raw Conversations is about real, authentic, and worthwhile conversations. I started this podcast to bring more awareness, more tools and insights into you being a more in your power. I have been on a journey of personal growth and expansiveness for over 15 years now. And the reason I do this work is I believe that every human being deserves the opportunity to thrive in this lifetime. Now, if you're here listening to this podcast, then I imagine you are curious. You're curious to learn more, or maybe you feel stuck somewhere in your life or you don't know where to start. Maybe you've just had this kind of itching feeling that there's more to your life than your current reality. Embrace the curiosity that is wanting to emerge here and step into your greatness. In this episode, we get to have a conversation, or really I get to have a conversation um, with Omar, and we really get to hear Omar's beautiful journey of healing. I just want to say this is a really vulnerable piece, and I'm so proud of Omar for having the courage to share his journey with you all. So without further ado, enjoy Omar's healing journey. Hi, Omar. It's lovely to have you on the podcast, and I'm so excited um, you're here and for us to have this conversation about you and your growth. Yeah, hi, Kiran. Really good to be here, and, and thank you for inviting me in. So um, I'm really grateful um, to be uh, able to have the privilege and, and you know, honour sharing this conversation with yourself today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to say before we jump into the, the questions, um, one of the reasons why I was excited about having you on the, the podcast is because you're a, a male, a man. And, you know, I've had some other people, of course, on the podcast that are male, but not people I've worked with or that are necessarily, um, well, I think they're all doing the work, but um, not someone I've worked with. And just something that this year I decided to open up my, my uh, coaching practice to work with men and not just work with women. And it's been so beautiful to be on this journey with you. So you were one of the yeah. first men I started working with. <laughs> no, I honor that. And thank you very much. I think it was maybe, maybe timing or, or, or whatever you can call that. But I think sometimes certain things show up in your life. And, and for me, I know I needed to to go on the journey I needed to go on and to to really start to go inwards. Um, and when I recognised that I wasn't going to move forward without doing this work, you know, I I, I, I honoured and, and but I opened myself up rather just to kind of see what's out there and reach out to, to like-minded people like yourself. Um, so I'm really grateful, you know, to where, how far I've come and where I am today. Mm, beautiful. Well, let's start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do from work, your background, your upbringing, so people can start to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I was um, so I was born in the UK in a, in a town called Bradford, and um, I'm sort of British Asian, uh, I would say. Um, 
my grandparents were from India and they came to the UK in the 60s and my parents were were young when they came up and they were probably early teens or something when they came to the UK. Um, my parents had an arranged marriage. Uh, my dad was actually 17 when he got married mm. and um, I was born in the UK and I've got two older sisters so I'm, I'm the youngest of three and I'm the only boy in the family as well. Um, my mum is one of seven sisters. Uh, wow. My dad, five brothers, <laughs> and one sister. So quite big families in their own right. Um, so wait, um, your your father has got five brothers and one sister. Yeah. So there's a lot of male energy, and your mom is with all sisters and a lot of female yeah. energy. Wow, crazy. Yeah, 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 very, very much. So, and then I was. I'm the only boy in, in my own family and I've got two older sisters, so I'm the youngest. So, yeah. And and I think because the, of, of being a man in, 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 you know, an Asian, British, Asian culture as well and, and the youngest and the boy, I, I was spoiled when I was growing up as well. You know, my parents did buy me toys, push bikes, um, you know, I was given some of the, I was able to go on school holidays, for example, and my older sisters never did, you know, and I started to push back as I got older, you know, to kind of say, well, they should be allowed to go, you know, why can't they do the same things that I, I, I'm able to do? Um, but I also recognised that there were certain elements that um, the household I was brought up in was quite critical, you know, because I was a boy and, and you know, I need to become the man of the house and I have to mm. kind of um, carry on with the traditional values of, of family life and upbringing. So there were um, expectations there of you because of your gender. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Very, very, so, you know, and, mm. and I couldn't really understand that. I didn't really kind of gel with that or find that I found that no that's not really that didn't really sit well with me it never did um yeah as I as I grew up I realized there was still elements and conditioning that I adopted you know mm-hmm. with regard mm-hmm. not having feelings or emotions or being able to feel you know mm-hmm. things would you say that because of those expectations that were kind of placed upon you was it did you find it challenging to live up to those expectations I think it did, yeah, yeah. I think it was. All, I think partly because um, there was there was a certain element of duty there, as in you know I've got to do that because you have to respect your elders. You know, you kind of taught that. You know, your parents are always right, uh, and and you're wrong, and you know we're the wise ones, and you're not wise. You know, we're clever, and you're not. And it, it, looking back on it, I, I never recognised that at the time. Um, until I started doing the work and I'm probably going to get ahead there, but recognizing the fact that that was almost an element of forced conditioning. Um, uh, and then as I kind of grew older and start to re- recognize it was probably a certain degree of emotional blackmail um, as well, you know, in the, in the approach in the way that they're kind of almost kind of foresee how, how, you know, me, my siblings were to kind of show up in the world, you know, an expectation that was there, you know, uh, um, that we had to, I guess we had to adopt, you know, we had to yeah. apply and really challenge or question it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who can relate to the fact that there's expectations placed on them, especially from their family, from society, from their culture. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this goes into Gabor Mate's um, concept of there's just two needs that we have as a human. We want to be attached, which is to belong, and we want to be authentic, which is to just be ourselves. And so often many of us will give up our sense of our authenticity and to to be ourselves in order to belong. And we do it out of a sense of survival and safety. So I think your story yeah. will resonate with a lot of people. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. no, very true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what called you? I'm just curious. Actually, before we get into jumping into the work, where do you live now and what do you do for work? Um, so right now I'm in Aberdeen. I'm in Scotland. And... Um, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, I went away to university as well so I kind of left home um, uh, nearly 20 odd years ago I've never really been back and I always say this as a, as a joke that you don't actually leave Bradford like the hometown I'm from you actually escape so I'm the lucky one uh, one of the lucky ones because I escaped um, <laughs> but you know in doing so that did kind of lead me on to a a, a long-winded journey of, of discovery, you know, uh, which has kind of fought with many setbacks along the way. Um, but I'm fortunate that with the career that I've had as well, because I work in oil and gas, I'm a mechanical engineer by education and, and qualification. Um, and I've been fortunate of being able to work abroad as well um, and travelled with work. And largely, I'd say my career's been fairly successful as well in terms of the opportunities it's afforded me um, um, but at the same time it's also led me on a path where I needed to kind of eventually bite the bullet so to speak and really go inward and start to kind of mm. go the healing process so so what was that pivotal moment if you if you have one where you felt called okay I gotta do this work this personal development or healing work um, I think there was like a few callings to it a little bit. Um, mm. Going a bit deeper, for example, I think before I went to university, I, I, I was finding the relationship at home and with me working. So before I went to university, I did an apprenticeship. So I was out working and I was uh, at college and I was studying. And, you know, my social influences or people I was surrounded with was different, you know, and, and I could see there was a bit of a disconnect there. That It's like, well... My parents are kind of saying to condition me to behave one way, yet I'm kind of working and experiencing uh, uh, other people's lives in a, in a different way. Um, and at the time, before I went to university, I was almost sort of self-sabotaging. I, uh, I went through periods of, of becoming anorexic. Um, I used to make myself sick. Uh, I, I went through... Uh, patterns where I actually started self-harming as well because I couldn't really understand why I, I guess it was just a case of didn't really know what I, how I fitted into society because mm. I was conditioned in a certain way and there was this disassociation with it that I just didn't really really get it so why why am I not normal you know those are the sort of things I used to say to myself uh, and then I went when I went to, to university it was like a a hedonistic period of my life, shall I say, um, um, just because of the environment you're in. You know, I wasn't living at home anyway, so it was kind of freeing away, the shackles were off. Yet emotionally, I was still attached to that because my parents would still be on my case and kind of saying, 
you know, you have to be the way we are and, and so on and so forth. Again, it's kind of forced level of conditioning. And, and I ended up going through a bit of therapy at that time as well, um, which is mainly focused around CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and did get some treatment for that. Um, but now looking back on it, what I didn't do is really go inward or go deep. Um, and the root of it was elements of adverse childhood experiences and um, the, the, the fact that I guess I really needed to kind of understand, um, you know, the root of the issues that I was, I was experiencing or the traumas that had happened as well, because there was also a lot of abuse in the family household as well, um, which, which I suffered. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a long-winded affair, but then, then more recently, um, I was in a long-term relationship and um, I started to come out of that about two years ago, nearly. God, it's been a while. And I recognised that, right, I need to start to revisit this. I need to go inward again um, because I wasn't really being true to myself. I was running away. I was hiding. I was suppressing. And looking back, I was actually hurt. You know, deep inside, I was actually hurting, but I never really showed it because I had this fake armor on and this mask where it's like, no, I've got to just be be man enough or <laughs> don't feel my emotions. But what you end up doing is you just end up pushing people away. Um, mm. With my wife being, unfortunately, the, the person who kind of felt, you know, felt that, without me even realising. Um, mm. So, yeah, quite difficult, difficult period. I think, I think the universe or life, it's like it hits you over the head several times to help you to, like, direct you to do the work, to heal, to come back to yourself. You know, and really, I'm a believer that that's the soul's journey. Like, the soul comes into this life and it has a journey to go on um, and to, 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 for it to grow and to expand. And so it's like the universe um, will just start pushing you into that direction. So as you said, you, something happened prior to university and university and then it's multiple times, it's kind of, you're waking up again and again at another level, waking more up to like, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this to heal or, or my life is going to go in a direction that's not healthy or it can get can only get worse instead of getting better. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, totally. And there were certain elements of that, but you're very right. And, and I think, yeah, what you're saying is, 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 is really on point. And I guess the fact is, is in each of those kind of scenarios, yes, I might have learned a little bit, but then I, I'd slip back, you know, or mm. I... I wouldn't really kind of take it on board fully or I'd get so far. And then what I now recognise it to be is there's an element of fear there. Um, and it's like, no, I'm afraid to do this bit. So let's let's just go back to the default, you know. Yeah. Let's just kind of yeah. familiar. what's familiar and what's normal. Yeah, yeah really, now that I recognise, looking back, it's like, no, I still didn't feel normal. I still mm-hmm. felt out. Mm-hmm. I think I so often... I think so often we only deal with surface level or symptom level things. I know when I was in university, I, you know, went through a a bout of anytime I was alone, when I was just alone, like 
like I had no plans and nothing was happening. It could be like on a weekend and like, I didn't have any plans. I didn't make any plans. Oh my God, I'm alone. It was so challenging being alone with myself that I would get into almost a deep depression. So I saw after a therapist um, and did, you know, maybe five or six sessions and then things seemed to be better, but it only dealt with the symptom instead of going deeper. And then something had happened in my life show up again in another capacity. It was like, it was trying to show me, you got to go deeper. Yeah. You got to go deeper and deeper. It's just, it's just like our health. If we just deal with the symptoms and the symptoms are going to keep coming back. If we go to the root cause and we start yeah. healing there, usually the symptoms stop showing up. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I'm curious over the kind of the a few times that the universe hit you over the head. <laughs> yeah. As it hits all of, all of us over the yeah, head. I'm does, curious yeah, if you can recall who you were during those times. Like what type of person, if you could you could describe here I was a university, this is the type of person I was, and then this other time in my life when the universe hit me over the head, who was I back back then? It- well, I, I think one of the mo- now that I can, I can look back on it, and I, I recognise that I wasn't true to myself at all. I really wasn't. Um, there were times where I was always on edge. Um, I would actually also be self-critical. You know, I had the monkey mind going on in my head. Um, the voices of, of my primary caregiver saying that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, um, and. And then also because I was kind of in, in touch with my, my parents at the time as well, you know, enjoying university, for example, there's always that kind of what I now recognise for them being in the drama triangle, you know, um, they, will, they would always be playing the victim and expecting me to kind of that I was the villain or and, and that I need to be more of a hero or something and trying to kind of rescue them. And if I don't do as they conform, whatever that may be, then it's, then they won't be happy, you know, and they'll only see happiness if I'm there or present or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's almost like this, uh, as I look back on it now, it's just carrying this emotional ball and chain with them. Mm -hmm. But it's just like this big rucksack as well that you've got on with the emotional ball and chain in there. Mm -hmm. And you're dragging that around with you. which, which actually I recognise at the time and, and, and throughout the years as well, it was, it was kind of sapping the emotions, that my, my own emotions and my own feelings because I wasn't allowed to because I was almost kind of made to feel their energy. And, and even when going forward with the relationships as well that I've, that I've had, um, you know, not just intimate, but also with certain friends as well, I wasn't able to really kind of connect to them in a way that I felt this is actually genuine me. It it just didn't allow me to do that. And and I didn't really know how to either. And I guess an element of that was because I, I think the biggest relationship issue I had was a relationship I had with myself. And obviously I hadn't created the boundaries and I just accepted things. Maybe there was elements of perhaps being a people pleaser but at the same time, there's also elements where I would be a bit brash or abrasive or didn't want to open up because it just felt too unfamiliar, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fear, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, I would mm-hmm. say, I would be during those periods. 
Yeah, I think a lot of us take on a, like there's two things we often, especially I'm a former people pleaser myself. So we take on a lot of other people's emotion, mostly unconsciously, partly because we need we need to do it for survival. Like for me, I definitely needed to do it as a child to survive in my household. Um, and partly we do it because we've been conditioned to do it. You know, it's like, you're a good person. If you are empathetic, I'm not saying don't be empathetic, but I think there's a, there's a, a line where I can understand your emotion. I don't need to take on your emotion. Right. So I think some people yeah. think, Oh, I'm being empathetic, which you are because you're understanding it, but you're also taking on the emotion and that there's no room for our own emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's there, but it's like being compounded. And just like this heavy weight that we're carrying. And then we just keep carrying this, like you said, ball and chain until we start to realize, wait, this is not my emotion and I'm not responsible. And I'm not a bad person for mm-hmm. giving them back their emotion, for not taking on their emotion. Actually, I'm, I'm a good person by allowing them to know how to navigate through their own emotion and for them to be responsible for their emotion. So it's, a, I think a lot of people can resonate with what you're saying. I know I certainly can by carrying that and then realizing I can't even connect with my own because I'm, because I'm taking on others. And once we free ourselves from that and we let go of the shame and the guilt around it, then we have an opportunity to start exploring our own emotion. What's ours, which is a beautiful, beautiful journey. And it's so liberating. I mean, I'm curious of what is your life like now? Like, who would you say you are now that you've been doing this work compared to when you were back then? Yeah, I was just thinking. um, I think what you said before, yeah, definitely, just to resonate my response there. So I, I, I I certainly feel my feelings a lot more. Um... I I do I am I am more open and honest um about how I feel, how I show up for myself. And I, I take I, I do take ownership and responsibility, you know, um if I do make a mistake, um, for example, because I know my parents would never really either take no for an answer or admit that they were wrong or or allow us to challenge them, you know, I'd say it was me and my siblings. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, I mean, going through this, what we're talking now, it's, it just goes to show in some ways how ill I actually was back then and how hard it's kind of been to go through the journey that I have gone through. And the fact that I'm still, I'm still healing. I'm still going through that, and I acknowledge that. I honour that. Um, so where I'm saying where I am now is, I guess the biggest thing I've got is a lot of self awareness, uh, and and with that um, level of self awareness, it always gives me more kind of challenges in a way to say right I need to try and fix something else here you know what's going on you know and it's hard you know the journey is hard um because 
you're conditioned to be a certain way for so many years, decades, and now it's a case of, right, I need to change this. I need to move forward with this. And I'm still very much on, on you know, ongoing with that process of change. What I am grateful for is, is how much I have changed because I do feel my feelings. I am present. I do know if something's showing up with me rather than running away, hiding from it, I... I I feel it, you know, and and it allows me, and I, and I also like sharing as well. Um, you know, the fact that I'm even talking to yourself openly on this platform is is testament to to my own journey of self healing, but also the fact that I don't want other people to make the same mistakes that I made uh, in my life. I won't say mistakes; it's more a case of just not learning, maybe, or not being vulnerable enough. Um, but yeah, I'm in a better place, you know, certainly. Mm. And I, I kind of look back and say where I was a year ago from now, and I still have to do that sometimes. It's like, because mm. I do get down days, I do get days, well, oh, no, I don't feel that good. Oh, this is showing up. Why is that? You know, why am I feeling this way? But then I just kind of take a step, and it's like before I get too far down the negative route, it's like, no, look at where I am. You know, look at who I have got in, in my life. Look at the boundaries that I have created and look at the connections with people that I have made. Um, uh, and the stories that I'm also creating, you know, with the uh, with those that I'm inviting into my life as well. So, so that 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 itself is allowing me to take control and be in control of of what serves me, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. Would you say you have a, a deeper connection with yourself now compared to before? Definitely, yes, I do. Yep. I mean, I, I even now having this conversation, I can feel emotions coming up, and that's good. Mm. You know, yeah, it's nice. Cool. It's nice. You know, it's okay. I'm I'm being present with it. I'm being in the here and now, and and again, that's like new to me, relatively speaking. Um, uh, this ter- ter- time round on the journey, so to speak, because again, you just get conditioned not to, and I just wish more people would be able to do this particularly men you know because the i know being being a man anyway and, and and other people that i met on my own healing journey as well particularly where i am now is you can just tell what people don't you know mm-hmm. um and it's difficult for them to kind of do that so yeah you know i have to embrace what i am doing and where i am right now mm. well because you are now have a deeper connection with yourself would you say that you're starting to have deeper connections with others yeah very very much so it, it does because I know where my values are I know how I need to show up for myself um and also where I need to do work because that's the other thing it's also kind of saying oh I need to get Maybe I, I don't, maybe I need to be a bit like this with that person because they don't feel the same way that I do about something. So rather than see that as, as me becoming defensive, I kind of become more curious about it um, and, and kind of put myself in other people's places as well. Um, which again, for me, it's, it's really allowed me to kind of... Um, connect to people in a different way and connect to them more authentically as well but also then people that don't um appreciate or understand it's like well okay no I don't need that that's okay you know they're on a different journey than me 
that that's their their energies on a different level, their beliefs are in a different way. That's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll help them as much as I can, and if I know it's like, well, okay, that's that's where you stand. That's that's fine, you know. I'm happy with that, mm-hmm. and let let their beliefs get to me. Which I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's still a bit hard, you know. Mm-hmm. It it's not something that just again it's another process <laughs> like it is a process of... yeah what's beautiful yeah. the witness in you is that as the more that you just accept yourself for how you are how you are accept your values your belief systems mm-hmm. how you see the world and how you show up in the world you allow others to do the same and you can choose do i want to associate with them do i not want to associate with them if i choose not to associate with them that doesn't mean they're less than and it just means they're they're just on a different path than mine and I have to honor their path I have to honor my path it's so beautiful for me to witness that within you mm-hmm. yeah okay. no thank you thank you and and I think the work that I've done with yourself this year as well Carrie Ann has, has kind of supported that on the journey that I've been on and, and I know we both had amazing conversations you know not just not just uh individually on their own but you know in groups uh, groups as well that we frequented together and, and it's just nice to kind of get the the validations in certain places say no this is this is good this is right or this is what you need to kind of tweak and what I love about you Kerry is you, you do push me and you have pushed me a few times you know <laughs> to kind of um but I've allowed you to do that and I've, and I've respected you for doing that mm-hmm. and I've continue to do that and 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 that's because um I think the work that I've done with you allows me to grow um and 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 sometimes it pushes me back a little bit but then equally it allows me to become a bit more curious uh and that's why yeah the, the fact that I've I've taken ownership and responsibility to do this and allow people in is really helping me to kind of move forward in 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 a, in a positive way. Mm, beautiful, I love it. What has surprised you the most in doing this work in, on your healing journey? What has been like? Wow, I didn't expect that. Like whether it's something you had to go through or something you didn't realize. That like, oh, this really surprises me. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest is a good question. Uh, I think the biggest thing I've got from that is recognizing that hurt people hurt people, and I I wasn't aware of this, but subconsciously, on so many levels, I was hurting a lot um, to the point where the way I was able to try and release that hurt, or, or even elements of anger and guilt and shame and and, and, and those kind of. Um, darker sort of feeling so to speak was to self-sabotage you know to to self-harm and and I'm, I've tried to take my life a few times as well um because for me it was a release it was what I was trying to find it was a way of just trying to kind of I, I guess cope you know it's a coping mechanism and even as I started to doing the work this time around, as well, it led me on a bit of that path again, um, just because it was so scary. Um, and and recognizing that I did hurt people in such a profound way really made me feel guilty. Um, 
because again, you know, you're conditioned to be a certain way. And as, as soon as I recognise, shit, you know, you don't feel your own emotions. You haven't been doing that yet. You've been affecting the emotions of others, you know, especially those you're supposed to be closest to. That that was really really hard. Um, but also recognising that I was actually hiding behind the mask. Um, I remember years ago, one of my uncles um, said to me that, oh, you know, you sometimes, I was, I was in my early 20s or something, and he said, oh, you know, you sometimes see a bit childish, you know, with your parents and stuff. And I said, yeah, I'm like that because that's how they want me to be. So I'm going to behave like that because I'll just get accepted. If I, if I say that I'm stupid, then I'll behave like a stupid child. But it wasn't healthy, you know, because I wasn't being authentic to myself. I didn't know who I was. I was kind of playing up to them and 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 thinking, yeah, well, that's okay. They can treat me like this. It's fine. And for me, that was me trying to kind of normalise, you know, mm-hmm. um, who I was. But when I started to unpack and recognise that, and it's just a case of, no, I'm not like that. I am actually quite intelligent, for example. And I don't say that from a place of ego. I say that from a place of, I just didn't recognise it. It's like, no, this is actually really me. Um, and then you start to unpick these these chains that you've got around you, these, you kind of go in with a little pick lock and you start to kind of undo yep. it a little bit. And then there's some more padlocks on it, which need different combinations. And then it's a case of, well, for me, it's like, right, I'm going to go and speak to these coaches or this therapist. So I need to kind of un- un- unravel this. And then you start to run away with it, but you're still carrying it along, you know, because the chains are restricting you a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the kind of things that have like started to really surprise me. Um, and the biggest thing is that, I never loved myself. I never really had that love for myself at all. And and that was hard. Mm. Because when you when you start to kind of see how little actually love I did have for myself, um it and why, um, and then how that actually how how that behaviour that you don't even recognise, it just affects other people in such a profound way that um, you just disassociate yourself with it as well. You don't feel it. And and when you realise, again, goes back to how ill I was, it's like, it's scary, you know, it's it's profound. Um, and it did actually mean at one point where I started to realise and they get these aha moments, it's like, Oh, wait, I can't believe I, I did that to that person and those people in my life, you know, because they did actually really care. They wanted me to kind of get better. They supported me. They honoured me. And yet I just couldn't do it. Um, and that that led me, and this was only earlier this year, actually. Yeah, it did lead me self-harm. It did lead me to try and want to take my life again and attempt to do that. Um but that's something I have to live with. The only thing I can do is learn to say, yes, I do actually love myself. And and I, and I do. I know I do. Um, I just... I think looking back, all I can do is just learn from it and, and know that those people that I did hurt 
I think they get it. I think they will do, but maybe they'll never see it from yourself because you know your own feelings and and how you showed up for yourself. But I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this because I want people to to know that. Mm. I think there's a couple of things that you said throughout that that's connected. So the first one is hurt people hurt people. It's like the domino effect. So the people that hurt you were hurt and they, the people that hurt them were hurt and it becomes this domino effect. And it's just so beautiful when you can recognize this pattern and go, I don't want to continue. And realizing that, yes, you might've hurt people as you were talking about towards the end there. And you hope that you, and this is a hope and you can't control other people's journey or path, but you hope that, they'll forgive you, they'll heal, you know, and on, on their own journey. And it's important to forgive yourself because you didn't know what you know now. And I, I think about when you talked about wearing a mask, I think about that story of the golden Buddha and how they had to cover up the golden Buddha to protect it. That's what we all did. We covered up our whole beautiful selves to protect ourselves to survive because we were all of a sudden feeling all these expectations or harm or whatever we had to protect ourselves. And then we chisel, you know, this work is about chiseling away to find the gold again, to see that, wow, I'm actually super intelligent. Actually I'm loving, I'm worthy, I'm deserving. Mm -hmm. Even though I did these things, you know, to others and finding forgiveness in myself and hope that the other person will also find forgiveness. I think that when we start realizing and forgive ourselves, we are more open to forgive others. It's going, it's going back to the more we accept ourselves, the more we can accept others. Mm-hmm. Even in their pain, even when they hurt us, because we can see they were hurt. And then the healing start, start, starts and the hurting stops. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the journey, you know, that you're on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just as you're healing yourself, you're going to stop that pattern so that the more, so it doesn't continue down the, it's like there's no more dominoes for the next no. person to be hurt, the next person to hurt the next person. Does that make yeah. sense? And we're going to yeah. have a more loving and compassionate and accepting world. So thank you for doing that. No, that's no thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It is. How are you feeling about it? Uh, I did no. It's just nice to share. You know, I I honor it. I I really do. And you know, I love the work that you do. I know that you the work you do is deep, Kerry, and and I embrace that. I honor it. You know, and. And I'm grateful that I'm in a time now, and this time is now where I realise, no, this is what I need to do. <laughs> no, this is it. <laughs> this is this is the kind of nuggets of you know that that the, the bits that's going to kind of uncover that golden butter, as you say, and yeah, and it, you know and that's that's where I'm at. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of emotion because you kind of think about certain things that I did still, but that's yeah. That me, you know, it's that's, okay. That's part of the healing, yeah. Yeah. You recognize the harm you did to others. 
Yeah, it's part of healing. Mm-hmm. We're we're imperfectly perfect humans. Mm-hmm. So realizing that that's part of the human experience as well as mm-hmm. is to is you know to heal those hearts mm-hmm. if we choose to. Of course, if we choose to. Mm-hmm. You know, I know one of the things that you talk about um, is being vulnerable, and so, and I think being vulnerable is you've been so vulnerable by the way in this conversation but it's something you talk a lot about um and i i want to kind of bring it out to the surface and share it with other people so first can you describe what it means to be vulnerable in your own words um for me vulnerability or the process really understanding that um the journey i've been on i think the biggest learning I've got from that is it's allowed me to really be present and 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 be in the moment and not kind of be um I was gonna say driven or conditioned um controlled rather maybe by the monkey mind you know um the biggest thing with vulnerability as well for me has also been to really understand my own values but from a way of not being egocentric or selfish, but more from a place of being compassionate, uh, open, empathetic, um, humble as well. And through the journey that I've been on, it's really allowed me to connect with so many different people because I have embraced being able to, or starting to embrace even, because I never used to do that before, and the old version of me, but really being able to speak from the heart. But at the same time, I kind of recognise that I can be quite funny as well. I'm quite a good person for being generally funny with the right people. You know, I do have a laugh and that's okay. Um, I remember in the past, I used to um, become funny by drinking a lot, for example, you know, and then people would take that as like, yeah, that's it, I'm a funny person. And now... I'm not even driven by that because I think alcohol is just a suppressant anyway. Um, And I recognise that I don't need that. I just need to be me, you know. And it's really, in becoming vulnerable, it's really allowed me to discover who I am as a person. Yes, I know I've talked about intelligence. I'm intelligent, but I'm capable. Um, I'm strong. I'm independent. I, I, I hold myself now of of being you know worthy um you know i i i love helping others i recognize it with people i'm feeling that great you know i'll go and approach him i'll go and have a conversation with him um i remember a few months ago um one of the stories i like to share is um i was at the supermarket and there was this young woman there at the checkout and um she she had a T-shirt on, um, and I noticed we just started convers- having a small conversation. We were just talking away, and I noticed that she had, like, fresh cuts on her arm or on her arms. And we talked for a while and just talked about weather, whatever it was, and then I said, look, I see you being self-harming because, you know, obviously you're not in a good place right now. And she... she 
she sort of looked up at me and paused and she didn't really know what to say. And I said, look, I've been, I self, have self-harmed as well in the past. I've got scars on my, on my arms and I showed them and because uh, I had a T-shirt on. Anyway, and I said, look, I wouldn't mind having a conversation with you if you want. So she said, yeah, okay, that's fine. I mm-hmm. said, I'll give her my phone. <laughs> she put a number in and... And I said, look, if you drive, and she said, no, I don't drive. I asked if she did drive, she said, no. And then I said, well, I'll tell her, I can pick you up a bit later. And um, so I ended up doing that and went for a walk in the park. And she's type one diabetic. And she was in a relationship at the time, but she's not, because I was toxic. And she openly cried and she said to me, look, I just want to die. And she's not been taking her, her insulin for the last 10 days. And I was like, right, okay. I've never felt so emotional connection with someone in that kind of way. And that level, given the fact that I was so vulnerable and wanted to kind of reach out to them in that way. Um, And to this day, you know, we're friends. You know, we check up on each other. We've got another friend of ours, a mutual friend as well. And, you know, she's just really, really good and keep going. And again, you know... I see her, you know, a couple of times a week sometimes and we just sort of hang out, we'll just talk um, and I'm helping her. She's buying a new flat and I said, well, I'll give you a hand with it. Another friend of mine's helping her and stuff. And it's just so nice, you know, to, to connect with someone in that way that you just want them to get better. You know, she told me so many stories about the experience that she had growing up and I thought mine was bad. Um, and you don't want to compare, but the point of, I'm trying to make it, it's just by becoming vulnerable, it's really allowed me to build a genuine friendships with people who are just like everyone else. They're just trying mm-hmm. to survive, trying to cope. Mm-hmm. And what I've realised is if I can help someone in that way to not make the same mistakes or go down the route that I've been through and and then the things I've done and feeling the feelings that it's felt for me to be in those sort of sort of sort of um, say positions, you know, they do the kind of things that you have thinking about the dark thoughts and whatnot. It's like, no, I want to help this person. I need to do that, and that's what that's what vulnerability is about um, for me in my experience. Mm. And in doing that, it's also allowed me to connect to so many other people as well. Beautiful story, and of course, I know I've heard it. Um, and what I recall the first time you told me this that I really want to emphasize is that it sounds like you could really see her and you just accepted her even with the marks even with the pain you just saw her and so desperately we want to be seen especially when we're in pain and then what was so beautiful is you could hold the space for the emotions and again, without changing her, without judging her, without anything, you know, yeah. and I think that's so often as we talked about this, this need for belonging and this need also to be authentic. It's hard for us to be ourselves and be vulnerable and show ourselves if, if it threatens our belonging, our survival, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what a beautiful space that you could hold for her and partly because you'd been there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
since a lot of this work is about connecting with your emotions and we've talked about emotions today, I would love to learn first. because I think this is really important because this concept of emotion maturity or emotional intelligence or just reconnecting with yourself, it's not just what's your thoughts, but what's your feelings and the emotions are the feelings, the emotions are the language of the body. I, I kind of want to share, have you share, talk about your journey about connecting with your emotions, starting with, you know, kind of what did you pick up from childhood about emotions? I think the, the, the biggest experience looking back um, was um, there was a lot of silent treatment at home and I never recognised this in, until I started going on this healing journey this time round, I'd say, you know, last two years. And what I what I recognise in kind of going deeper and uncovering that was that silent treatment is actually one of the biggest forms of abuse. You can actually, you know, display um, it's worse than physical abuse um, because you don't know what the other person's thinking. And there was a lot of that at home to the point where you'd get nothing and nothing and nothing. It'd be like that for ages and the air would be toxic, you know. Even though the, 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 the room's cold that you're in, you're inside, it, 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 you know, it was warm, it felt cold. And and you, you, you just didn't really know how to process that, you know. And, and this was, you know, through childhood, you know, mm -hmm. and... And I didn't recognise how much of an impact that had on the way I kind of showed up in the world and the way I started to present myself as, as I started to kind of become independent, so to speak. And I say independent loosely, actually, thinking about that, because I don't think I really had that until I really started doing this journey, uh, this, this healing journey this time around. And because there was also that silent treatment there, the emotions was I I felt looking back was the time that you, you just didn't feel them because you didn't really know how to process them. Um, your head was going in all sorts of kind of thought patterns, and your body was just kind of disconnected from it. You didn't you didn't understand it. Um, and then it was kind of the conditioning elements that kind of led to your emotions was that you know you're wrong. I parents would say to you you're wrong and we're right you have to do as I say, um, almost kind of like narcissistic sort of tendencies. And as I, I'm, I'm getting emotional a bit now because one of the things I discovered with the therapy I had, had in the last sort of year or so, um, well, I went through schema therapy and schema therapy is very, really deep um, because it goes into exploring um, elements of inner child work and one of the things I came across with a therapist I worked on was um, or I uncovered shall I say um, was the fact that I became a fragile narcissist and a fragile narcissist is someone who doesn't really know how to feel their emotions um, because they've never been loved or they've had that love sucked out of them um 
and they didn't know how to empathize with others, how to connect with others. Um, they, they would quite easily be dismissive or, 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 or push people away if they, they try to become quite close to them. And that, when I got realization of that, was really, really hard to kind of, kind of. Well, it, it was it was true, you know. It was it was it was factually correct that I didn't know how to do that. But the reason was because of 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 the fact that I was brought up in an environment where I wasn't allowed to connect to my emotions, or I didn't know how to. Um, and you just carry that on. You just suppress it. You bury it. You you go through life not feeling the emotions of others. And I guess I'm coming a bit. I'm guessing getting emotional now, probably because I can almost picture the emotions of the people that were close to me in life, where I never really took on board that they were hurting because of the fact that I wasn't allowing myself to be present with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I recognised that it's not my fault. It was just about what I was taught. It was my experiences. And even though talking about it, yeah, I know that, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard, but that's okay because <laughs> I'm opening up. And what, one thing I want to do in talking about this in such a honest way is that other people who've gone through that, they should recognise that it's not their fault, you know. Um, it really isn't. You can, you don't need to blame yourself for it, you know. It's not. The only thing you can do is learn and grow and recognise that. And I guess my my way of of moving forward with that is just to kind of help others, you know, and sit with it. And at the moment, I don't, I, I don't do work with my therapist anymore because I'm learning. I've got to a point where I was learning. She was actually learning more from me. Um, but what, I, where I am now is I, I'm in a place where I want to feel other people's emotions because that's allowing me to grow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Although at times it's a bit hard because sometimes I I take too much on my emotions, but it's something that I need to regulate and I do do that, you know, I do manage that. Mm. I think um, a lot of us as children, not all of us, but some of us have families where, you know, where of course we don't learn how to feel our emotions or how to regulate. And so we tune them out. We shut them down. Because you imagine you're a baby and you're having an overwhelming feeling and you need support to understand it and that support isn't there. So like you said, you got the you got the silent treatment. And as you said, that can be more devastating than physical abuse because there's so much pain or, or overwhelm of energy you're feeling in your body, but you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to do with it. So what often many of us do is we disconnect themselves. We disconnect from our emotions. And that also means we can't connect to others. So mm-hmm. again, this is where we then eventually in adulthood where we might hurt others because we can't feel them because we can't feel ourselves. 
And what's been so beautiful about your journey or witnessing your journey over the last year, almost since the beginning of the year when we connected, is seeing you connect with yourself more. And this goes back to that vulnerability piece, being vulnerable and risking. You, you know, being vulnerable is to risk of being hurt, but you're like, I don't want to hurt anyone anymore, including myself. So I want to feel these feelings. And even as you're having this conversation, you say you're getting a bit emotional, it's coming up, you know, allowing it to come up in your body mm -hmm. and allowing others to also, like you do with the woman at the supermarket, to allow her to have that feeling mm -hmm. and to learn and to know someone will be there. And, you know, we, in essence, as we do this work, especially about, around regulation, self-regulating is um, we reparent ourselves. We rewire our nervous system and realize that we don't have to be alone with our emotions. I mean, they don't have to be big and scary. And it takes one little step at a time, one little toe in the cold water or hot water, it doesn't matter, but one little toe in. And then eventually we can take on the bigger emotions. But going back to what you said, you know, most of us, I shouldn't say most, I don't know, most of the people I work with, including myself, and maybe the people I work with, the reason why I work with them is, you know, like attracts like, and they resonate with me. Um, you know, when we don't know how to feel our emotions, whether we turn them off or we let them explode like a geyser and just let them out and don't know what to do with them, don't know how to regulate either way. It's often stems from our childhood where we didn't have a parent there to help us co-regulate, a parent there to just reassure us. Or for example, I, I have one parent that definitely gave the silent treatment and it was brutal. It was so brutal because you're like, I just want connection. I just want to be seen and heard. I just, can you connect me? And they're like, no, because I was an embarrassment for whatever I did. Most of the time it was because I had fear. And they didn't like that I had fears and I was an embarrassment for having that fear, you know, and so they disconnected with me. And so learning now to connect with yourself will help you as we've talked about connect with others. But again, going back to most of us didn't have that in, in the childhood. And so not to blame ourselves when it's so easy to blame ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And not yeah. to blame ourselves for, the, for the, what happened to us and, and that we didn't learn how to feel our feelings or regulate mm -hmm. our emotions. So it's so beautiful. I, I would like to know, or I would love for you to share, how do you connect with your emotions now? Is there a process that you go through and that you do? So one of the, one of the biggest things that I've, I've been doing since the start of the year actually is, um, is meditation, you know, just, just meditation, guided meditation, breath work, because it just allows me to kind of become more present, more into the here and now. And, and also in doing so, every time I do get something coming up, I, I'd say, so, so someone, one of the work, some of the works I've done with a, a, a clinical psychiatric nurse, a CPN, um, we're called here in the UK, is uh, something called decider skills, which these elements of DBT and and CBT, and you the the kind of premise behind that is say you have a a bottle of fizzy pop or soda as you call it in the states, you know, and and you you, you shake that, but it's got a lid on it, 
uh, and you, you don't want to give back to someone for them to open it straight away because, you know, they, they, it's just going to spray everywhere. Um, and the concept of that is that you, it's, it's known as feeling the face, you know. And I remember when I first started doing that work, you had a scale of one to ten and one or two might be a feeling the face would be, you know, uh, a negative four or as more extreme ones could be wanting to hurt myself or self-sabotaging and then somewhere in the between might be like I just want to shut off I don't want to be anywhere you know I want to be on my own or um I don't want to feel my feelings so so to speak and then the way to regulate that is obviously you know one to two will be mindfulness but maybe some of the higher level scales of that would be I'm going to go for a run and go and do something extreme or go to the gym and punch a punch bag you know to kind of bend and, and regulate um but that allows me knowing where i'm on that face skate sales so so to speak allows me to also connect with my emotions because if i'm feeling that way then there's something that's happening not just kind of um mentally so to speak but physiologically as well so it's, it's allowing me to 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 uh um, Give me a thumbs up. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Why. They're not going to see it in the audio, so we'll manage, yeah. but it's quite funny. We're having a giggle. <laughs> and um, it's the yeah, universe. There's some some it guardian is. angel telling you thumbs up, dude. <laughs> it's just a really good job there. That's excellent. I'm feeling my emotions. So there you go. Um, but yeah, you know, meditation has been a good thing to heal my emotions and obviously understanding where I'm on the fist scale when something shows up with me uh, and recognising that your mind and your body are connected because I never knew that. I never really knew that at all. I didn't realise that when you have certain thoughts and beliefs or patterns that's going on in your, in your head, you know, what is also happening physiologically in your body as well. Um and I know the work that we've done together as well, Karen, is about, yeah, you know, feeling your feelings and your emotions usually last between 60 to 90 seconds. Uh, and I know I've shared a few stories of yourself where it's just like, yeah, something came up. And and then I sat with this and I felt it, you know, go through certain elements of my of my body, my stomach, my heart, um, uh, my joints, whatever it may be, you know, um, and then, yeah, within a, a minute or two later, it's kind of gone. You know, it's just like, wow, this is really good. This is amazing, you know. Uh, and I've also done, as I've shared with yourself before, is, is EFT, emotional freedom technique as well. And that has allowed me to really shift some intense, deep, deep mm. emotions, you know, deep feelings that I'd been carrying. I know we did some work on shadow work as well, which I went on a bit of an exploratory kind of mission on the back of that. Um, to kind of unpack what that was and 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 kind of work through that. So, um, but the biggest thing to kind of go through, really kind of feeling your emotions is is self awareness. You know, it's, it's having that level of self awareness, and then become a curious with it, and then try mm-hmm. trying to kind of understand it. Yeah. I want to add something to that when you talked about the shadow piece, because I remember that that 
when we were working on a shadow element, a big emotion came up for you and it was like intense. And then you went to do EFT and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now I can look at the shadow. I think that's an important element when it comes to emotion work is sometimes those big intense emotions can block the clarity. It's what's in, it's the clog in the hose to finding the clarity maybe. And once we just feel the emotion, use EFT, use Reiki, whatever you need to use to move through the emotion on the other side of it is usually it like, it, it lets go of the energy to free you up to go, Oh, there's clarity here now. If I just feel the feeling. So it's really, really powerful. The other thing I just want to say that I really appreciate about you and you and I are similar in this way is that you don't hold on to one modality. So you have done a lot of work, especially in the last few years, using a lot of different type of support, therapy, coaching, workshops you've done. You've read, I remember when you learned about the drama triangle from me, you dove right in to learn about more about the drama triangle. You're like, what is this thing? And you wanted to know. Um, and what's beautiful is you, you started to fill up your toolbox. I think it's important to recognize there's not one modality for healing. And it's, I, I'm a believer that it's better to have a mix and use what you need in that moment. You know, and sometimes we don't always know what that is. So sometimes I say, just, just try that one on, see how it feels, go for it for a little while and see, does this work for me? Does it not work for me? But having a plethora of support is, it's, it's really going to be supportive and, you know, you, again, you have this toolbox. So when, and like for you, you re-entered the workforce mm. and re-entering yeah. it now is kind of like a test, like, hmm, how far have I come in this work? You know, and as stuff comes up, you're like, oh, let me pull this out of my toolbox. Let me pull this out of my toolbox. I can use this. I can use that. And it's so beautiful to witness. So what I would love to know is there, like, if you could leave the listener with one tool from your toolbox, you're like, I highly recommend this tool. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's more, no, I wouldn't say it's a tool. I would say that I would say that, that, you know, one specific thing, because as you said, there isn't, there never is. It's, I think it's more a case of, from where I've been and the, I'd say more the, the struggles I've had mainly with myself, I would say, and self-acceptance and, and having self-worth, self-compassion, love. And, and what gets me now, what gets me through it now is, and I still struggle a bit at times, I'm not going to hide that, but I, I, one thing I try to hold on to is, is just trying to think in that never give up, you know, don't don't give up because um, it's so easy once you end up on that slippery slope to kind of say right this is it this is enough you know um, and I can understand why people do um, and I don't blame them for doing that I really don't because all I can understand is the amount of pain they must have been in and I think as a as a man it's also harder. Um, because by default in society I think there's a shift there now but certainly from when I was growing up and I guess also from my own perspective culturally as well there is all that that kind of um, 
belief that you just don't feel your emotions, you know, big boys don't cry or even children, you're not supposed to cry as a man. You have to become a, a certain person, a certain, you've got to show up in a certain way. And I think, personally, I think that's just, that's just so, so not right. It really isn't, you know, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't allow ourselves to kind of believe that. And I would also say, as you touched on as well, Carrie, is try different techniques, you know, don't stick to one if it doesn't work. Go and try something else. Um, reach out, you know, don't, don't sit in silence with these feelings and, don't allow yourself to to go down a downward spiral in that way. And I've done that myself, you know, I'm not going to hide that, that I haven't done in certain, certain periods, but I guess I think what you need to also recognise is as you start to change your inner world, you know, for the better, then your outer world will change too. But it doesn't happen overnight, it takes time. Mm. And just as long as you're allowing yourself to give yourself that time and that effort and keep showing up, then, you know, things can really change for yourself. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful message there. I just want to take a moment and just thank you for everything you shared today, for your vulnerability, your honesty, your transparency, for the journey you've been on, because it, and, you know, we know it's impacting your life and, of course, those that you're coming into direct contact with. But I think it, we need to recognize that we have a ripple effect out onto the earth. It's like those dominoes. You're changing that domino effect. So um, you're helping to, to find more love and compassion and light on this earth and in humanity. So, Omar, thank you so much for, for just everything, everything you shared with us in this episode and our conversation and just everything you're doing. No, thank you, Carrie Ann. I've really appreciated you again holding space for me and uh, continuing to do the work that we do together as well. And uh, again, you know, I, I honor everything that you do as well, and I honor the work that you you've done with me and, and the work that you do with other people as well. So Thank you. Thank you very much for, for being a part of this. Mm, my pleasure. My pleasure, Omar. Oh, you enjoyed this conversation with Omar. I know I really did. And I just want to, again, thank Omar for just being brave to share his story. It's not easy, you guys, to get up there and talk about the journey you've been on. And of course, the more that you do it, the easier it gets, as is everything in life. It's like riding a bicycle. The more you do it, the easier it gets and becomes second nature. But we want to hear these stories. I know I want to hear more of these stories because it just it makes life easier. I'm inspired. It's relatable. I feel like I'm not alone on the journey of healing, of doing this work. So thank you, Omar, for just being courageous enough to share your story. Now, before we wrap up, I want to leave you with a reflective question for you to connect with yourself on a deeper level. So really take some time to reflect on this question and maybe journal about it. The question is, how can you become more responsible for your emotions? How can you become more responsible for your emotions? 
Now that could be learning about what your emotions are, how they show up in the body, what are they telling you? That's for you to kind of get some clarity around, around how can you be more responsible for your emotions? So take some time, journal about it. It's just a great opportunity to learn more about yourself. This podcast is a gift. And if you're interested in supporting the work, please use the link in the show notes to make a contribution. And please also rate and review this podcast as it helps more people find it. If you know someone who might benefit from this podcast or this specific episode, then please go ahead and forward it to them. It's such a beautiful gift we can give to another when we come across amazing work. So if if this really resonated with you and you're like, oh my God, I know so-and-so would really love to hear this, feel free to forward it on to them. Lastly, join us in the Up Level Your Life community on Mighty Networks. This is a space where we dive deeper into these topics. You can find the link in the show notes as well. That is it for this episode. I leave you with an African expression, Ubuntu. I am because we are. Ubuntu. I am because we are.